Welcome to Hashing It Out, a podcast where we talk to the tech innovators behind blockchain infrastructure and decentralized networks. We dive into the weeds to get at why and how people build this technology and the problems they face along the way. Come listen and learn from the best in the business so you can join their ranks. All right, guys, welcome back to episode eight of Hashing It Out. I'm Corey Petty, always, always with my co-host, Colin. Say what's up, Colin. What's up, Colin? And today we are here with Manoush Movehedi from Definity. Uh, why don't you give us a, a quick introduction as to who you are, uh, who, who you work with, why you work with them, and how you got in, started and involved in the blockchain space in general. Um, so, hi everyone, I'm Manush, and I got interested in blockchain space and consensus in general when I was uh, a PhD student, and then um, uh, I was working with my advisor, and he was working on consensus protocols, which gets my interest there. And after my PhD, I moved to Yale to work as a postdoc there, and there I started a project with my advisor there on the blockchain, exactly. And then I, in a, in a conference, I met Timo and Dominic uh, from Definity, and uh, they were doing something I kind of wanted to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So and I asked, okay, I'm trying to do it by myself alone. You guys have a company. And um, so it was a very natural uh, collaboration with them. And then I started working at Definity. Uh, so what was that thing you wanted to do? So... I was working on a scalable blockchain project uh, and defined it as using committees uh, to make blockchain faster. And they also had some ideas of how to use committees and uh, quorum-based blockchain uh, to make it faster. So before this project, I was working on multi-party computation and secure computation. And there I used committees to uh, make it possible for MPC protocols to theoretically being very, very faster, but uh, not on the like blockchain space, on a different space, on the secret sharing basis space. And so it was similar ideas on a different environment, which was very nice for me. <laughs> so can you, can you, what was the, what was your PhD on? Can you, can you give us a kind of a, a, a one-liner? Maybe what was the title of your PhD? So we have a little bit about like where your focus was as you uh, developed your, your, your schooling. So my PhD was on secure and scalable distributed computing. Beautiful. So that's, that's quite relevant to the space I'd say. And, and I yes. say Definity is done a very good job of grabbing very, very smart people that can solve these types of problems. Yes. So Definity was completely, a lot of ideas from Definity uh, was very, very relevant to what I was doing for my PhD and postdoc. It's a, it's a natural like extension. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's, I guess, shift the conversation over Definity a little bit. Like why, what is Definity doing that you think is the proper method of scaling this technology? Because as of right now, I think we can all agree, scale is the problem that's keeping it from becoming what we all think it's going to be. Yes. Um, so I think um, the most interesting part of Definity is its consensus protocol. It's not the only part, but one of the interesting parts of the Definity is the underlying consensus protocol. So if you think about Definity, Definity is like a uh, next layer stacks protocol of the internet. So internet starts with uh, IP layer and then TCP layer, and then on top of it, you have application layer, but there is no consensus layer uh, of the internet so far. So Definity wants to, to create the next layer, the consensus layer uh, that everybody can Uh, run on top of the Definity as a virtual machine. It's a like virtual world computer that you can implement your uh, applications on top of Definity. And then you don't need to worry about that these applications are distributed. The actual computer is distributed around the world. And Definity is doing the whole job of 
uh, reaching agreement between the small parts of the application that is running on different nodes of the network. So I'd like to consider it as a like next layer of the internet, which is a consensus layer of the internet. And for Definity to be possible, we need two uh, or we need at least three very important technologies. First important technology is to how we achieve consensus among all the nodes in the internet. And the second layer is how to really have a virtual machine on top of these nodes that can run the computation, that can execute the computation for us. And uh, the underlying also, we have a layer that's kind of do the gossiping protocol and the networking layer of the protocol. So these three components are the most important components of the Definity. And so uh, I'm involved uh, more on the consensus layer of the Definity. So there we uh, like have come up with the ideas, uh, joined with like Dominic and Timo, we come up with the ideas of how to achieve consensus and reach agreement faster. So, uh, and in general, when you want to reach agreement, you have to first uh, choose a, a leader. In most of the other protocols, you first choose one leader, and then this leader helps you to achieve agreements. For example, just look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin used a proof of work to uh, choose one leader, then, then that leader propose a block, then everybody uh, kind of add this block to their blockchain, and then the next leader can propose a different block. And then if you are lucky enough, you can repeat this process. And finally, you will reach an honest leader because we, we assume honest majority in the network. And then if there is an honest leader, then that specific honest leader can help you to um, achieve agreement. But the problem with blockchain, uh, that the way that Bitcoin is using it is that every time you want to choose a leader, everybody in the network should solve a proof of work uh, for because they want to create a randomness to choose a leader. Mm -hmm. So creating randomness is very important in mm -hmm. like, distributed computing in general. And this is very, very expensive. Proof of work is a very, very expensive way of generating randomness because you have to repeat it every time and it's very expensive. And inherently, it doesn't let you to a scale. Why it doesn't let you to a scale? Because the time that you have to wait for the block to propagate should be uh, smaller than the time that you need to solve the proof of work. Otherwise, you don't know if uh, an honest party solved the proof of work and it's like uh, the time is in network or the time is in the actual computation that is needed for the proof of work. So the time that everybody should solve the proof of work was should be meaningfully larger than the networking time or the delay time for each block. Mm -hmm. That is why inherently uh, proof of work protocols or the protocols who use proof of work for randomness to select the leader, it's kind of should be a specific, yeah. cannot scale well. So in Definity, we have a new method to generate randomness and then select leaders. And we use uh, threshold signature schemes uh, to create randomness, which is like uh, much faster than the proof of work. And we don't need to repeat uh, this uh, creating a randomness from the scratch again and again. We uh, have a setup uh, to do the DKG and have established groups and each group can sign a previous randomness to generate a new randomness. But it's at the same time, the randomness is unique and nobody can predict it. And that is why, uh, and it, it is much faster uh, than uh, the proof of work based randomness. So how are these groups determined and are they, do they reallocated constantly and is there a fixed number of groups? Um, that's something I actually had uh, some issues kind of understanding when I was going through the white paper um, yeah. reading some of the threshold stuff, how, how, cause I'm, this is also not my background. I'm kind of coming in this, I'm kind of like the audience where somebody's kind of in transition learning about this kind of stuff. Um, okay. so how, how, like, how is this randomness determined and how are these groups determined and how, what is this protocol? What is this, what is the actual, like, what does this look like? How does this work? Okay. So, um, let's start with the randomness because it's easier to understand. Then we can, talk about the groups. Okay. So assume that we, guy, uh, we want to create a randomness together. One way is that I uh, roll a dice and then my 
value is going to be, for example, two. And I just commit to my value, meaning I write my value on a paper and uh, don't show it to you, but put paper somewhere that I cannot change it anymore. And then you do the same. You roll your dice and come up with a value, and then you write your value on a different paper and put it in a jar. And then and another person, the third person, do the same. So if I'm a good guy, I really roll the dice. So my value is really random. But if you are a bad guy, you can just simply come up with any value you want. So your value is not uh, random. But if we add our values, later if we open this uh, papers and everyone write a value on top of it that not, that he cannot change anymore. If we add these values together, the result is random because my value is random and the addition of any value with a random value is random. And because nobody can predict. If you don't know my value, you cannot predict what is the result is going to be. I think there's an important aspect of her that I think she's, she may get to, but I, with what's kind of the beauty of uh, threshold signatures is that yes exactly I'll, I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you this honor <laughs> it is very very simple um, a way to describe threshold signatures so in threshold signatures you have a group that you assume uh, a threshold of them are honest uh, for example we have a group of 100 people or 200 people we assume like 50% of them are honest. So if you have a group of 200 people, 100 of them are honest. So all people create their own randomness and write it on an envelope. <laughs> so it's kind of they encrypt it. So they commit to it in a way that nobody knows what is the commitment, but they cannot change it later. And then uh, we add all these random values. Um, it's it's more mass involved. I don't want to jump into the mass, but as, believe me that you can add the values together using secret sharing and Shamir secret sharing. So there there is a way, and then the result is random. So this is the first randomness. So we call this process DKG. This is the first randomness. So what we created is that we have now we now have a random. A public key that everybody knows and each person has a share of randomness you remember i created my randomness added to the value we add everything together so everybody has a share of randomness and then in general we as a whole group have a one public key everybody has a secret key a group has a public key and and there is a secret key for the group that nobody knows uh, everybody knows a share, but nobody knows what is the actual value. Mm -hmm. So if you're familiar with signature schemes, in signature schemes means that if you have a random secret key, you can sign with your secret key, and then you publish your public key, and everybody can verify your signature with the public key. And so now we have a shares of secret key, but we, we as a group together, can sign one value, any value, and then everybody using the public key can verify if the value is signed or not. So is it? Is it? Yeah, no, I get that. Okay, perfect. Also, I, I Shabir is something I know, but our audience might not. So yes, I know. It's uh, a, I, 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 I glossed it over a little bit, but I think we can maybe kind of explain that a little bit at some point. But okay, okay. keep going. Now. I'll stop. Um, so now, if you have a random value and you sign it, the result is random. So in Definity, we first create the first randomness, which is the randomness of the first epoch. Then for the next uh, round, we sign the randomness again. A group sign the randomness using this small uh, secret keys. And then the result is random because the result of the signature is random. Otherwise, it's not secure signature. Okay, I think I actually might have got because we stopped stopped in the middle. Like I might have gotten kind of lost. So can I try and explain it uh, briefly in my way so that okay. I can make sure I get this? So you break you, you have each all right. So each group has a certain threshold of number of people that are necessary in order to actually uh, sign a a a particular. Is that correct? Each group, yes. And those groups are determined in another kind of threshold or uh, like I, no, that how, how many groups are needed to sign a block, for instance? Like, okay. So it, these groups are created randomly using the previous round randomness. So we sample oh. them randomly. So the way that it works is that 
we, we create the first randomness. Let's say it's a like Genesis block randomness. Then using this randomness, we choose groups. We sample the groups from the whole universe. And then each group is size like 800. Then it's enough people in the group that the adversary cannot take control over the whole group. So they can, the adversary can, if the um, threshold of people that are bad in the universe, like in the whole definity system, is like one third, then the threshold number of people who can end up in a group is one half. And it's just by just simply random sampling. It's nothing magical. Mm -hmm. Just random sampling gives you this uh, property. And... And then after we randomly sample the groups, we let this group to do the DKG or distributed key generation. It's like this randomness process I described. And after the DKG, then the result of a DKG is a public key for the group and secret key shares for each individual party in the group. Mm -hmm. Then this uh, individual parties in the group can sign uh, a previous randomness and the result is the new randomness. So we can repeat for the next round. I think it's okay. interesting to note that like- That's where um, I kind of break down though, is when the, okay. group, the group signs, but the group is signing for the universe, right? So like, like everybody, yes. so every does every group need to sign to verify that the group is correct? Or like, how does that, like they're all getting different private keys in each group, correct? Uh, each group has a different private key. So, so but you know, for example, we we rank the groups for each uh, for each round. We say, okay, for round one, we choose a group randomly, and this is the group uh, group. The third group is responsible for round one. So the third group signed the um, previous randomness, signed the randomness for round zero, and mm-hmm. then create the randomness for round one. And then for next round, another group is responsible. So for each round, only one group is responsible to find the randomness uh, of the previous round and create the new randomness. And since everything, since the groups are defined by the previous randomness, for an adversary to have the probability to have a whole group is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly small. Right. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. What is the what is the threshold for an attack like that? I mean, it would be so much higher. Currently, with our numbers, uh, we put a threshold for the whole universe of definity one third, and the threshold in each group is one half, okay. meaning that the adversary should control half of the nodes in the group, and he has only like two seconds, like even less than a two second, to really contact all these people and crop them. And right. there are, the group size is around. Uh, 800 so it means that for uh like it's it's a lot 400 people it's almost as if like you're using the same thing that you mentioned earlier like like proof of work is limited by uh the timing it takes for moving a block across the network whereas you're keeping adversaries probabilistically low by using the timing of the network in order for them to actually collude properly yes but we are using the timing in our benefit yes yes Uh, but proof of work should extend the timing but we are using the timing in our benefit we are assuming that okay this is a very small time then the adversary cannot really contact 400 different nodes which he doesn't know their ip addresses it's just the, the only thing that he knows is the public key and mm-hmm. he has to contact everybody in the group find them and then crop them but which kind of we assume it's not possible Right, I'm, or I, create a certain number of nodes himself and then join in that particular group right beforehand. But he cannot join. Even then, you can't join a group, right? Yeah, you have to be signed into the next group. Yeah, so there's, like, no way to just even, like, sip, like, yeah, you would just basically be, okay. Wow. I'm curious so, about this one one aspect. So, like, I know that one of the one of the concepts or properties of threshold signatures is that regardless of what subgroup of the group signs signs the messages to get to the threshold the output is always going to be the same yes. which is which is exactly. so it, it's called like deterministic randomness so the randomness yes. is that great that's why it's deterministic randomness but why um, is the determinism necessary okay it's very important so it's not the property of every uh threshold signatures for example Eschnor doesn't have this property mm-hmm. but bls is does have this property and we we call it 
Uh, signature scheme has uniqueness property, as you described. If it doesn't matter who really signs it, who signs the value, as long as the value is fixed, the signature is fixed. It's very important. Otherwise, the adversary can, uh, by signing or not signing, uh, just change the randomness because then randomness is dis described by the signature of the previous randomness of the previous round randomness. So, and we want to, the adversary doesn't have any say or bias on the randomness. We want to make sure that the adversary cannot in any way change the randomness for the next round. And this uniqueness property provide these guarantees that it doesn't matter who signs it or who doesn't sign it, as long as honest people get together and sign it, they can create a value, and this value is fixed, it's deterministic, and it's unique. So and the only way to know that it is the proper source of, like, it is the proper random number is to do it again with a different set of subgroups or a different set of subsignatures to see that you get the same randomness. Oh, uh, no, you can check with your public key because the group has uh, a public key. Okay, you can yeah. simply verify. You don't need to sign it again to check. Okay. Everybody can check the correctness uh, or of the signature. And the beauty is that if you check the correctness of the signature, you know that this is the randomness and you know that everybody else in the network come up with the same randomness. So it provides you agreement. Otherwise, if, if, for example, subgroup one can come up with a correct signature, but the value of the correct signature is X. If subgroup two come up with a correct signature, but the value is Y, like for Schnorr, it's like that. Both of them are correct, but with different values. Then it doesn't let you to reach agreement on the randomness, but it's very important for consensus to reach agreement and everybody should agree on the same value. And this uniqueness property of BLS provide these guarantees that everybody agrees on the same value and that mm -hmm. everybody can check it. Everybody in the group, even outside the group, can check the value is correct. So am I misunderstanding this part then? Inside the group, when you actually, you're, you're basically creating a new public key using elliptical, I guess elliptical curve distributed key generation. I'm going to spell that out for the audience so yes. they can Google it themselves. Elliptical yeah. curve distributed key generation. So you would actually be... Uh, in that moment, when that group is selected, they are all coming together and forming a little mini consensus where over 50% of them basically have to participate in order to generate a new uh, public and private key pair, but they don't need to know what the private key is. It just generates yes. a public key and a share for each person in that key without any centralized authority determining yes. what that private key is and no specific leader dictating what that key, where that key comes from. It's mm -hmm. literally a, the, the whole small subset. Let's say there's 800 groups. One and in that particular, let's just call block. I, I don't know what you would call it. Actually. I think you used a different term. Uh, but this is particular block would be, be basically signed by the one 800th that got happened to be select by the previous randomness in a round before I think mm -hmm. you called it a round. Yes. Um, that that basically enables um, the rest of the 799 groups out there or whatever um, to to use that 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 difficult like that that public key as the source of randomness uh, for the next no, they, round. They use the signature as the source of randomness. The signature, the signature result. So the, the signature, signature okay. and signature. the result is random. Okay, cool. Because the public yeah. key. Uh, everybody knows the public key, so if you, it is random, but it's not an unknown randomness. So the adversary also knows it, but we we need an unknown random. So the randomness that nobody knows it. So nobody knows who is the next group. Nobody knows who is right. the next leader, and the signature is unknown to the adversary because at least one honest party should participate in the signature because it's threshold signature, and you need half the. You need half of the group parties to participate in the process, and the adversary only has less than a half. So mm -hmm. you need at least one honest party to participate in signing and signatures process. And so you know that one honest party uh, knows that, okay, I'm creating the next randomness, I'm in the next round, and informs everybody, okay, we proceed to the next round. So everybody is in, the, like, in a sync. So the cool thing about that is that since everybody's kind of doing this, it's also more distributed in far as like everybody who's within that group is also a leader of sorts, right? So they could kind yes. of 
they could kind of that also distributes the load of basically who like how do I know what's it, it minimizes the number of hops that need to be made to actually share this data on a peer to peer kind of level too. Um, yeah, that's really yeah, neat. Because um, everybody who participate in creating this randomness can uh, send the randomness because they know the result, and then they can send the randomness, propagate it in the network. Then it's a randomness for the new round, and then they can. Uh, reach agreement on the block itself using randomness. So does this does this actually confirm almost instantly? Does this confirm within one one round? Two and a half uh, blocks? In two rounds plus two delta. So um, roughly three rounds is enough. It's uh, two rounds because uh, the first round is enough for propagation and the uh, notary signatures. And the second round is enough for finalization. And then we have to wait to Delta. Delta is the propagation time of the network to make sure that everybody received the messages. So um, with all other forms of consensus, at least in their current form, um, you have to stake something with proof of work being you're staking external energy up front in order to be at the chance to become a leader and proof of stake systems being you literally stake the, the native asset. So an internal staking so that you are properly incentivized to follow the rules. What type of like incentivization mechanism exists in this type of consensus? Um, so now if you look at what I talked about, I always mm. said we assume one third of the parties are bad and the other two thirds are good. So that's why to make sure that this assumption is justified in the network, we also should use some way of proof of stake or proof of work to make sure we prevent a civil attack or uh, the adversary cannot take control of the, a lot of nodes but has only one node itself in reality. So Definity consensus protocol can run on top of any uh, any mechanism that provides a proof of uh, proof of stake or proof of work uh, that provides a civil resistance, uh, like guarantees. Any any of them is working for us. Now we are on top of a proof of stake protocol, meaning that everybody who wants to participate in the Definity should first register and uh, put some Definity at at uh, at the stake so he kind of provides some definity it's like i i want to register for the next round and this is my definity that i want to lock so you lock some money uh, in reality and then then you can be part of these groups uh, and part of this uh threshold relay protocol otherwise you cannot be part of it but we are not relaying the cons the, the consensus itself for security and um, like cryptographic guarantees does not rely on the proof of stake or proof of work like Bitcoin. Just the civil resistant part uh, it depends on the uh, proof of stake to make sure that nobody can really create uh, a lot of nodes in the network. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. So uh, I've been actually asked to answer a couple questions. Since we're kind of marching, kind of around that area. Right now, um, I'm just going to break into it. Uh, Zaki Manian actually asked me a couple questions to ask you. So um, those questions, he wants to know what the live list, liveness is in the threshold relay. Um, what what does that look like? like how how is that going on? Okay, um, so uh, we can uh, work in a semi-synchronous network. Currently, our, our proof that you see in the white paper is a for for is for a complete synchronous network. So I first talk about complete synchronous network liveness and then go to the what happens in asynchrony, if asynchrony happens. Um, so in a complete synchronous network, we are always live because by, by the assumption, uh, each group has honest majority so they can sign and move to the next round. And we are also always safe in, in the proof, meaning that if you move to the next round, in two rounds, if the uh, block is correct, then you can finalize it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just assuming the, the network is always synchronous, which is not always the case. Or it's assuming that um, the network doesn't have more than one third dishonest parties, which I think that's a very like correct assumption. I don't <laughs> want to argue about that. Everybody really assumes <laughs> that. But now let's say network is not sync completely. Then what happens? Then what happens is that 
you don't receive some of the signatures, then you have to wait for them uh, to receive them. <laughs> then it means that naturally the affinity network waits for the synchrony, for the unsynchrony uh, part of the network to merge again and get synchronized with the rest of the network. So, and then to tick again. And it's by uh, by decision, it's deliberate. It's not because of because we don't know what to do. Because we assume that if the network is unsync and if half of the network are not seeing the block, it's the best way to deal with this asynchrony in the network is to wait a little bit to make sure everybody is on the same page before creating the next block. That's why liveness depends on the synchrony of the protocol. So we cannot provide liveness without synchrony. So there's no, yeah, so there's no asynchronous, no semi-synchronous is pretty much going to be synchronous is the only kind of proof you have right now. Is that what I, did I misunderstand that? There's, there's no way to do some, you have to wait for every, every round. And because, because it's, it, it's dependent upon the ran, the randomness of the previous round, you kind of right. are locked into that, yes, that model. You have to wait, but uh, meaning the fact that you have to wait for the next round or for everybody to, not for everybody, for half the network to like participate in the create creation of the next round mm -hmm. is we can we can get rid of that one but we don't want to get rid of it because because if you move to the next round but you don't know that okay all honest parties are at the same page then it's something it's it's not a good thing to do because then you sacrifice safety to get liveness but we assume that safety is more important than the liveness i mean i feel like i feel like the idea of consensus has a form of synchronicity inside of it anyway right it, yes. the synchrony is yes. not synchronicity synchrony inside of it like you need to come to agreement on something and then move on and that's the, that's yes. what you know what I mean? and in order to slow down the network you would have to have a significant number of nodes i mean less like more more than one third of the no, uh i'm sorry more than uh was it two thirds of the network would have to be completely off? Or am I misunderstanding? Yes. It's more than two thirds of the network would have to be completely off. So, the, so then my, my question then becomes: What does it take to join and leave this network? Um, because uh, I know, especially ECDKG, tends to require that you have some sort of handshake to actually join that sort of arrangement with other nodes. So, can I just can anybody just hop on and hop off? Is that more of a client situation? And then some authority nodes? Or like, how's this looking? So whenever whenever you want to join the network, you have to kind of create a transaction on the network itself and says, okay, I want to join the network and this is the definity that like I want to put on my account to join the network. And then the network has a again randomness process to select the nodes to join it. So at each epoch, so we have epochs, and at the start of each epoch, we gather all the requests or transactions to, for the request to join the network. And at the end of the epoch, we go over them and randomly select some of them based on the capacity of the network, capacity of the increase in the network. And then we add them to the network. So then we add them to the groups. So we randomly, the, the groups should form again. Then they are, we have a, uh, contract. We have a smart contract. We, we have a lot of a smart contracts that helps the system to work. We call them system smart, system contracts. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we have a system DKG contract, and this DKG contract let the new groups to form and participate. So, in the network again. So, if you are a new member, you are your first call the registry contract to register yourself. Then the registry contract call the group contract to add you to a group. And then the group contract call the DKG contract so you can do the DKG together. And then uh, this process, we assume it's another epoch. So you wait one epoch, essentially. And then at the, end, at the end of the this epoch, you are now formally a, a definity node. Then you can start working. Uh, for the next epoch, but you can only and you can for only... leaving. You just simply have like I want to leave, and then we remove you from the groups. It's easy. Yeah. What happens if you so if you stop just stop participating or stop broadcasting? It wouldn't matter anyway. I guess it would have to take a whole lot of nodes in the network to do that to be a problem. Yeah. Are you slashed? Is um, there is there penalties for of, not participating? One third of the nodes should uh, simultaneously leave the network and. Uh, 
one more than one half of the group nodes. More than one half of the group nodes within the two-second period. Yes. So, like, you'd have to have the 51% attack. So this is a question also I'm kind of concerned, uh, curious about. Let's just let's just posit a, a unlikely but actually seems to me kind of plausible scenario where we have – I mean, it really depends on how the network's architected, but where more than 51% of the nodes aren't responsive um, to to participate in the D, DKG you know, process to generate their new public key. Um, that would slow down the entire network, um, right? Like that would basically prevent the group from actually being able to sign. No, it prevents only one group, for example. But you can. We are creating a lot of groups. So Is each group signing independently. So yes, and each group can sign independently. Mm, so see, there's they have a they have like a, a timing system where each group has basically given a slot on its on its time frame to be yes. able to sign. And if they if they don't if they fail to do so in that time frame, the next one has the ability yes. to sign alongside it. Um, so okay. that it becomes the first oh. one to join. So uh, it's kind of like it would, otherwise it'd be kind of like a block withholding attack, but it yeah, would be require mass, mass coordination. But only of a subset of the network that just happens to be mal, mal actors. Um, yes. I've, I, yeah. I I wonder if um, like with proof of stake mechanisms, you're not only do you have to like not only so proof of work limits you to only working on heavy incentives as opposed to having disincentives. Where proof of stake allows you to also incorporate disincentives into acting the correct way. Um, are you using any of those? Is there like a, a slashing mechanism or taking away benefits if you fail to? to follow the rules? So, um, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, we, are, we are testing with incentivizing our group nodes. So the current testnet that we have doesn't ha use any incentive now, but we are testing different incentive mechanism to uh, understand the behavior of the nodes. And we are working on a rational mechanism for a Nash equilibrium to, to, uh, to come up with the best incentive model that works best. But I personally think that uh, going into the road of incentivizing people is not the best view of the security and cryptography. And the reason is because people are naturally not that much rational. So first of all, they, uh, they cannot really understand what's their behavior is uh, the effect of their behavior on the protocols when they get more complicated and uh, second of all uh, they might have uh, incentive outside the network itself for example they might have incentive in a uh, like in a uh, bad group um, I don't know activity or incentive in a different because it's in real world definitely is not the whole world it's like just part of a world and we can only control our nodes while they are in definitely but what if they are gathered together outside definitely we have no control over them really mm -hmm. and no protocol has control over people if they gather outside their own protocol if they uh, really meet in person and do something there so I think going uh, on the uh, rational or Nash equilibrium road is very interesting in theory, but in reality, it's very dangerous because a lot of people don't really act rationally in the network. That is why I think incentive mechanisms are good. So in general, we might have some of them, but um, relying on incentive mechanisms is not a good way uh, to design a secure protocol. I think that's. I think the reason why they're used today is because um, I, I people believe that you cannot do something without them, and the question is whether or not if you can take it out and still build the same system, have the same security, then it's worth taking out. It's the same reason why we built distributed systems like blockchains in the first place is that we didn't. We were trying to explore the idea of networks without without trust. Yes. And so, if you can also take out rationalization, then you you have made the system more agnostic to what it needs to be able to do. Yes. I think it makes your life easier, much easier. Mm -hmm. Working on the rational setting is easier than working on the adversarial setting, uh, in theory. Uh, but I don't think it's secure enough uh, for an actual protocol. Um, if if the protocol is under attack, a lot of people don't act rationally. Because, for example, if... If, the, if you know that the protocol is going to uh, fail anyway, then nobody really acts rationally. 
uh, in a way that the incentive mechanism forced them to do. So it's very, uh, we have to be very careful that how, how much we want to rely on uh, rational behavior of the people in the network. So I prefer to have a very steady ground on cryptography before uh, designing an incentive mechanism. And the incentive mechanism is just going to help a little bit, just help the crypto, but not the actual crypto. So do you feel any, any responsibility for fault attribution on this uh, attribution? So like if somebody's acting like a bad actor, is there anything that you, you would do to kind of like flag them as being such, or is that something that um, you Yes, about? we can slash actors if they, add, uh, if they act uh, not in a good way that we really want them to do. But it doesn't mean that um, if you act in a bad way, we only slash you and the protocol fails. No, we slash you and the protocol is still proceeds in a uh, in a described way. That it's yeah, I had always had a problem with the way. I mean, this is this it's somewhat it's a bit extreme, but um, the deletion of or like the burning of funds in something like Casper could potentially lead to something where the total supply continually changes. And because most prices are in reference to the total supply, as that continuously changes, you may mess up some economics of the system over time if you well, slash too much funds. Say that's just bad logic anyway. They shouldn't be doing that. Well, it's we'll, not about supply, we'll it's about circulation. <laughs> it's about circulation, it's not about supply. It's about the flow of commerce. It doesn't, it's, and and if, they're, if they're doing things off total supply, that's a, that's a wonky metric in, to begin with, in my opinion. But um <clears throat> anyway so uh the the uh the <laughs> sorry Corey, i didn't mean to. <laughs> no good good point but um i uh uh i have a question about what this enables so um clearly this is a blockchain like system but not actually a blockchain um when you're signing things it sounds like all you need to do is really sign top level state in order to maintain consensus on the system. You don't need to have a full record of history and an audit trail of what participated or what the participation participation in the system looked like. So when you're when you're when you're adding data to the network, you only need the top level amount of, or maybe even the last three blocks of the data in order to keep the consensus mechanism going. However, a major draw that's interesting to a lot of people in the blockchain space is to be able to replay what had happened in the past. So first off, what are systems going to, is that, is that an accurate representation of, of how things work in this system? You only need to maintain the top state. Um, you, you need to maintain top three state and also the, the key blocks that have the group formations in them, because you should know who is the group for this round. Yeah. Okay. That so makes you sense. Need all the randomness, and you need the key blocks of all the parties who are participating in the protocol. So if somebody wants to maintain state in the system, they would have they would have to be basically create their own state append, appending system. So some way of actually, but does do, how? So then they would actually have to create their own audit trail with their own mechanisms so in, in their smart contracts. I want to stop you here. Okay. I'm just describing the consensus mechanism. I, I never said anything how we really maintain oh. the state. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, uh, so for our consensus, I think we kind of make them separate. So for our consensus mechanism, we really don't need to maintain the state. But that doesn't that doesn't need that doesn't mean that we don't maintain the state. <laughs> we maintain the state really in definitely. We have another layer on top of the consensus system that maintain the history of the older states. So it's just like any other blockchain. It's just the beauty is that we don't rely on it to for the consensus system to work, but we can still uh, store it in our clients, and currently we are storing it. Right. I'm, I'm curious sense. about the like so. Most blockchain systems, because they rely on it, they use that as a claim to immutability. You no longer seem to be able to make that claim because you do not rely on it. So how do you, do you even try to make the claim of harsh, like hard blockchain immutability? Um, so we, we, can, we can still provide immutability. We don't rely on it, but because each state is signed, uh, you can check and verify it. Because at the end of each state, we have another, we have a finalization or checkpointing signatures that each group really uh, signed a finalized block and checkpointed it mm -hmm. for the outside world. And then it's, uh, you can verify it. And then if you have the history of the uh, blockchain, 
you can see a lot of checkpoints. You see a lot of checkpoints and you can verify each checkpoint. And then that is why you can really, uh, it provides immutability. Not only that, but like, let me, let me, let me theory craft another, another thing here. If you want a mutability, that is a data structure stored in a blockchain. It can rely on sort of your signature to be the randomness that proof of work used to be. And you could create your own blockchain that only maintains the immutability history of your state on your system as it pertains to you, because you could subselect a certain portion of the state that the Definity blockchain is, is, is updating and update your own kind of blockchain system that only focuses on what you care about. I, I would think that Are would be thinking possible. about using their randomness as like a plasma chain? You, basically, you're using their randomness as more, more of like a, as, it's not a plasma chain, I would consider it more like the root chain, where you would put a, a underneath it, it would have a sub chain, which basically uses their random seed to uh, sign the rest of the blocks. And you could just take a copy or, or snapshot of the state as it goes through, and you could do replays on that. And then you could focus on one single smart contract or a series of smart contracts, I would assume. Um, it, that's possible. I, I, would, I, I mean, I don't see anything that would technically stop it in my head. Um, and that way you can create your own immutable uh, system and it kind of flips, flips the, the, the current model on its head, meaning that the current model immutability drives um, the um, drives the sort of uh, uh, truth of the system, where in this the truth of the system is, is found in the randomness and you can actually create your own immutability on top of that to verify that your data has been correct as the system pertains. Now the question then becomes who's verifying this data and who's also participating in this blockchain to make sure that it's on point. But um, that uh, might be taken care of, I think, just fine with with the random beacon. So uh, I think, I don't know, does that sound right? Yes. <laughs> I'm just theory crafting here. Yes, yeah. this is, this is um, so we kind of, in, in, a, in a definitive, we assume we can do sharding. And some of the shards can be completely private shards that Definity doesn't know about them. And they just use random beacon as a randomness for their own shard. And as you said, they have their own data and they kind of come up with their how they want to provide immutability. And then every time a shard wants to contact another shard, then they have to uh, to con to be more on the like definitive side, and then the, because they have to contact to the root shard and everything. But if you if you have your own shard, like a private shard, and then yes, you can use definitive as a random beacon and have your own. I think um, that's that's an incredibly important point that I think maybe people may gloss over or seem to gloss over is that because you are decoupling the consensus mechanism from requiring the state, um, you can do a lot of other things outside of it. So like I'd say the scaling problem of yes. of of a lot of blockchains is because they their their consensus mechanism relies on state. You can do a lot of things like sharding much easier if yes. you don't rely yeah. on it. I mean the a random beacon in general is a very 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 difficult computational science problem to have. <laughs> what you've done is created a outstanding random beacon that doesn't require a lot of work and use a blockchain, hopefully a large a large, you know, environment using that blockchain to incentivize people to participate in this random beacon is that maybe and then from there you can then just utilize it as a public good to do whatever you want yes exactly it's just you have a um, box of random beacon or like a, a chain of random beacons and everybody can use it but however they want they can have their own shards and they can have their own chains um we have um other parts of the affinity which is, I think, very valuable. So if you want to use random beacon from Definity, it's much easier to use the whole system. It's just easier. <laughs> but if you wish to create your own system, yes, you can use the random beacon as a very like, like fundamental tool because it's very fundamental. And then you can build on top of it. You can build your own state. And here's the other thing is if, let's just say you wanted to create your own Definity system. So uh, then, then the matter of like, let's say you want to create your own Definity. That's that's basically checking in your random beacon into even just some smart contract that is maintaining maintained in the top state on on the Definity system. So you don't actually even need to. You could just check in your random beacon, and then that's integrated into the source of truth that Definity would provide. Likewise, Definity, you could write a smart contract which also maybe does 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 it in two way. So you can actually have both both sort of like. Uh, beacons kind of just 
coincide with or sync with each other just by like having them check in random uh, at at certain points with each other. And then that basically enables you to maintain uh, truth value in both, in both systems, even if both systems are completely different governance models, they're on different private networks. You don't need to necessarily expose your, your state or your data. All you need to do is expose the random beacon that the network provides at a random, at a particular interval. Um, be that'll be the round time, I guess. And that'll, that'll enable like a multitude of systems to participate in, uh, a, a truth mesh. Um, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily rely. So the single source of truth would would be in in the fact that we can produce random numbers um, yes. in a consensus mechanism. And as long as you believe that consensus me- mechanism is true and is maintaining and maintaining the protocol correctly, then you would have value in the fact that 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 random number is accurate uh, or at random enough or not not con- corrupted. Not yeah. Yes. That's interesting. That's a new way to scale that I hadn't really thought of. Yes, I think that's also a way to scale because you you it's it's partitioning the uh, what you want to do, and uh, each module has its own functionality. I think it's like internet; you have layers of the protocols. In definitive, we have layers of the protocol, and the first layer is the random beacon layer, and on top of the, the internet, and then that gives you a lot of flexibility. Yeah, so it's, it kind of reminds me to the, the analogies are weird because they kind of hold true, but they don't when it comes to like mm. early days of the internet and like what's going on in the blockchain space. Um, but I feel like the early days of the internet, the type of data and the protocol that actually exchanged the data were very coupled. Um, and then we came up with generic protocols, which actually could send packets of data, which were generic, and you could you could send them and route them around, and they didn't have to have point to point. And these were all, it seems like we're going through a similar kind of uh, process now where basically Definity looks like the early stages are beginnings or first proof of concept of a more TCP IP kind of mechanism for exchanging value and truth. Um, that's much more lightweight, much more thin and can enable various types of, uh, of uh, protocols to even be built on top of it. Whereas itself is, is just maintaining this very thin, thin like routing, like how do we get the truth around? Um, I think that's, that's in, it's important that, to realize like what, Blockchain in general, or like the idea of what blockchains are trying to go at or solve, has is not new to blockchain. Like the distributed systems, is, I mean, I'm trying to, I always try and rethink how I consider this system and what's more fun, fundamental. And it seems as though uh, decentralized cryptographic message signing is the general idea. And sorry. De- decentralized incentivized cryptographic message signing because it's it's all like just incentivized cryptography basically of what blockchains are doing and then what problems can you solve with that and that requires and, and all of these things that requires a source of randomness that's trusted and fair yes and definity is using a outstanding threshold signature scheme to provide that randomness and then from there you can build a lot of things on top of it the reason why blockchains work previously is because the only way to make trusted, seemingly fair, distributed randomness was through throwing a bunch of computers ha- hashing at it. Mm-hmm. You could do, you know, randomness, but it wasn't provably fair from in a in a adversarial setting until you had Nakamoto consensus. This is a yes. new way of doing it that doesn't require all of that work. Yes. So, uh, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Is there a point of having a coin on this network? Um, what do you mean by a coin? You mean a token or yeah, a natural, an innate an innate token to this network? Is there really a point if it's only maintaining top level state? I think the only thing that would basically do is stop DDoS, but really that could be done with some sort of like, hey, we're only going to like literally you don't need a spend for that. You would just need like, is there a point for a coin on this network? Um, the gas. So- um, I think we need utility tokens. Uh, I don't like. I don't call them coins. Um, so, um, but the the reason is that as as we described again. So we assume that one half of the network is honest. One half can be uh, dishonest, or one half of the group are honest. And uh, this incentive mechanism requires you to kind of put something at stake to make sure that we can slash you. Uh, uh, 
if like more than like half of the network or half of the group are dishonest and acting uh, bad in a bad behavior, we want to slash the whole group and there should be something at stake to slash them. So there is one reason. And another reason is um, I didn't talk about it at all yet, but it's the civil resistance networking layer that we are um, like currently working on it. So Definity has a networking layer, a P2P network, and currently uh, all blockchain protocols has a peer-to-peer network, obviously. So mm-hmm. like Ethereum and Bitcoin, uh, but the, the networking layer is not civil resistance, meaning that everybody can participate in the networking layer, not the consensus layer, just the networking layer, meaning that everybody can participate in uh, broadcasting the blocks and the control messages like signatures and everything. And in Bitcoin, for example, if I'm an adversary and I want to attack the Bitcoin protocol, then I don't go and attack the consensus layer. It's much harder. If you want to attack the Bitcoin protocol, you can simply attack the networking layer and just be part of a networking, only relay the uh, dishonest parties' messages and not relay the honest parties' messages. So the honest parties see a huge um, time um, delay and dishonest parties have a smaller delay. So they can create faster on the blocks because honest parties messages delayed more if uh, you have a lot of nodes in the networking layer. And that's a very, very simple attack. I'm glad that uh, our world is not too much adversarial and they are Mm. not really attacking the network that much. Um, But uh, I'm very worried that this attack can... uh, Actually, we are very worried about uh, networking layer in general and how to make sure the networking layer is also civil resistant. Mm. That is why uh, we don't let all the parties that come out from outside the network to participate in the networking layer. Meaning that each, if you are a person and you want to participate in the networking layer, you should have a stake on chain as well. You should prove that, okay, this is my definity, this is my coin, and I'm part of a definity network. But it's very, very difficult. Why? Because you want to prove that I have the coin, but you don't want to reveal your uh relationship between your public key and the IP address. Otherwise, the network can, uh, the, the adversary can DDoS you. If the adversary know, okay, this is the public key uh, that's going to be the next block maker or the next group signer or someone important in the network. And I know, uh, I know his IP address. He can simply send a lot of messages just outside the actual mm-hmm. messages of the network and DDoS you. That is why it's very important to make sure that you can prove in a zero-knowledge type proof fashion that you are part of Definity and you have a coin in the system, but uh, you have a network ID and the relationship is zero-knowledge. So this is another part of Definity that we are working on. And for that part, we need uh, tokens mm-hmm. because you should prove that you have a token and you're part of Definity. Does that mean that nodes are incentivized? Yes, nodes are incentivized to be part of Definity, so they can be part of the networking layer, and then they can um, they can get rewarded for being part of the networking layer. Okay, that's great. And it's civil resistant networking layer. All right, I guess I have another server to put to be put to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we don't. Uh, we are. Uh, working and the write-up for that part of the ideas that we have, but we are are still working on it. So I uh, I hope that we publish something soon on that idea. Great. I think, uh, is there any, I think we start wrapping up from here. Are there any questions that uh, you wish we would have asked that we didn't? Um, So um, let me think. Oh, you you really didn't. We talked about randomness and how we generate randomness, but you didn't really talk about how we um, uh, provide uh, notary how how the notary group working because we only talk about the random weekend groups, but mm-hmm. not the notary group. So the notarization and how we provide finality, really, really. Well, how do you do it? Let's go. Let's go. Okay. <laughs>
Um, so do you want to ask a question or no, just, just talk, talk about it really quick? Like describe that in, in, in some detail, the, dif- the distinction between the notary group and the random, the random people. Yeah. Okay. So now uh, the notary groups are helping you to maintain a state and finalize a state, meaning that after we have the random weekend, then we choose some block makers, a group of block makers, and then they can... Uh, introduce a block to the network, which is like a group of messages. And then the notary's job is to, to notarize these blocks. So the note, they have a ranking system. They choose the first block with the highest rank and notarize that block. And this notarization means that they sign the block. And why it's very important is because it's a proof of publication, meaning that half of the network, half of the group, parties in the notary group should sign it for a block to get notarized and if a block has less signatures you don't consider it as a correct block and you don't build on top of it at all and it's very important so the adversary cannot withhold any information from the uh, parties from the good parties so the adversary cannot create a block and not send it to anyone and then later add it to the chain because uh, it cannot get notarized later the notary group only notarize a block for a small amount of time. And after they notarize it, they publish it to everybody. And since you need half of the group to notarize it, half of the group to signature. So if you need at least one signature from one honest guy to get a block notarized. So the block maker should send his block to at least one honest guy to get it notarized. And then this honest guy will forward it to everybody. So, and this is the very efficient way to make sure that everybody in the network sees all the chains that are there in the network. And the adversary cannot really withheld the information or withheld any blocks. All right. That's actually quite interesting. I need to process that for a bit. Yeah, I'm kind of still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> I'm going to replay this one here. That they kind of, yeah, because I kind of merged the two, the binkin and everything together, but it sounds like there's more complication on the whole uh, notary side of thing that I didn't even consider. Um, dang. But it all it all has this underlying tone of 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 using the randomness in a distributed way yeah. to to be to to make it very fair or and difficult for uh, adversaries to attack and. Uh, part of this part that this protocol has is that um, the the logic is that the adversary cannot withhold the information. The adversary Mm -hmm. cannot have any block in the system that that nobody knows about it. And only the adversary on notes knows about it. So if you are, if you create a block, everybody should see it for the block to be part of a chain. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it cannot be part of a chain. Mm -hmm. So you cannot have like two chains, one, one of them in private and the other other one in actual public chain yeah like you have with 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 kind of how bitcoin works you, you basically there's there's a lot, very 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 strong assumption because people trust the amount of work that goes into the randomness that anything that is produced is 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 valid and so mm-hmm. but you can you can withhold blocks and try and do you know multiple blocks at a time yes for for and this this negates the option to even do something like that exactly exactly man that's actually yeah. That's, that's also really interesting. That's that's great. I think that's a great way to wrap this up. Is there um, what information can you give us in terms of if people are interested in more? Where can they find out um, other questions we didn't get around to asking or get a hold of you guys? <laughs> so what's, your Twitter Twitter handle? <laughs> what's your total? What's your Twitter handle? In other words, um, so we have a good web page, definitive web page. You can go there, and there are some information there. We have our. Uh, white paper you can read that one um we have um informative like youtube videos that our operation team really create a lot and i think that's uh, interesting about divinity and so and we have channels we have um, telegram channels which is very active and you can be part of it we have a mailing list Okay. And we are always hiring. <laughs> Outstanding. And well then uh we'll we'll definitely try and put some of those links into the show notes so that people can get a hold of you if they if they so choose to. And um 
for the listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you can get us on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you can get a podcast app. Hit that subscribe button and uh, tell your friends. So thanks for coming on the show. And uh, we look forward to seeing Definity continue to roll out great tech. Okay, yeah, thank thanks, you. Thank you for having me. Bye. We're recording again. You thank can you. just... Uh, Sorry. As a side note, after we started, after we ended the interview, she... Uh, had an idea about talking about a scholarship that Definity offers, and I thought we'd give her a chance to describe what that is. And uh, so if any listeners are interested, uh, this could be something worth looking into. Um, so Definity has a scholarship program for uh, students, specifically more technical students like PhD-level students or uh, bachelor's-level if they are worth doing research. And the idea is that any idea that you have, you can submit it as a proposal. You can go to our webpage, uh, Definity Scholarship, and then you can submit your ideas and we help you to uh, realize your ideas. And uh, we pick three scholarships. We have a $10,000 award for each uh, like winner. And I think that the, this is not only the reward, but also... Uh, we want the students to participate in actual distributed computing research and try to make sure that they they can realize their ideas, the theoretical ideas in real world and implement them in real world and use them. So I think it's a very interesting program and encourage students to participate in it. That's Absolutely. fantastic. I think, I think everything, the part of the reason we do this podcast is because education is yes. definitely a big number one goal of ours. Um, not just for ourselves, because we enjoy learning on this show, but um, a lot of people in the space need to learn more and finding resources for that is difficult. I think this scholarship sounds like a great opportunity for somebody. So I'm really glad you had the opportunity to kind of talk about that. So you heard it here. If you have a great idea and you want some funding to try and get it into reality uh, and a great team to help you do it, then stop on by the website. We'll put it in the show notes and good luck. Cool. Thanks, Manish.